From MIT Technology Review, I'm Laurel Ruma, and this is Business Lab, the show that helps business leaders make sense of new technologies coming out of the lab and into the marketplace. Our topic today is cybersecurity and the strain of the work from anywhere trend on enterprises. With an increase in cybersecurity attacks, the imperative to secure a wider network of employees and devices is urgent. However, keeping security top of mind for employees requires investment in culture as well. Two words for you. Secured workforce. My guest is John Simone, who is the Senior Vice President and Chief Security Officer at Dell Technologies. Prior to Dell, he served as the Global Chief Information Security Officer for Sony Group. This episode of Business Lab is produced in association with Dell Technologies. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me, Laura. Good to be here. So to start, how would you describe the current data security landscape and what you see as the most significant data security threat? Well, I think for anybody that can tune into a news outlet today, we see that these attacks are hitting closer to home, affecting the public with events this year, threatening to disrupt our food supply chain and utilities. And really, we see cyber attacks hitting organizations of all sizes and across all industries. When I think about the landscape of cyber risk, I really decompose into three areas. First, how vulnerable am I? Next, how likely am I to be hit by one of these attacks? And finally, so what if I do? What are the consequences? And so we consider the vulnerability uh, that industry and organizations face. Technology and data is exploding, rapidly growing, volume, variety, and velocity. There's really no sign of it stopping. And in today's on-demand economy, nothing happens without data. In our recent data paradox study, which we did with Forrester, it's confirmed that businesses are overwhelmed by data and the pandemic has put additional strains on teams and resources, not just in the data they're generating, where 44% of respondents said that the pandemic had significantly increased the amount of data that they need to collect, store, and analyze, but also in the security implications of having more people working from home. More than half of the respondents have had to put emergency steps in place to keep data safe outside of the company network while people work remotely. We actually followed up with another study specifically on data protection against this backdrop. In this year's Global Data Protection Index, we found that organizations are managing more than 10 times the amount of data that they did five years ago. Alarmingly, 82% of respondents are concerned that their organization's existing data protection solutions won't be able to meet all their future business challenges. And 74% believe that their organization has increased exposure to data loss from cyber threats with the growth of employees working from home. So overall, we see that vulnerability is growing significantly. But what about likelihood? How likely are we to be hit by these things? And unfortunately, you know, similar trends are, are at foot. As we think about likelihood, it's really how motivated and how capable are the threats out there. And from a motivation perspective, you know, the risk to these criminals is low and the reward remains extremely high. Uh, cyber attacks are estimated to cost the world trillions of dollars this year. And the reality is that very few criminals will face arrest or repercussions for it. And they're becoming increasingly capable where the tools and know-how and how to perpetrate these attacks are becoming more commoditized and widely available. So overall, the threats are just growing in sophistication and prevalence. And finally, from a consequences perspective, you know, costs are continuing to rise when organizations are hit, whether it be brand reputational impact, operational outages, you know, impacts from litigation costs and fines. Our recent data, Global Data Protection Index shows that about a million dollars was the average cost of data loss in the last 12 months. A little over half a million dollars was the average cost of unplanned systems downtime over the last year. 
And really, there were numerous cases this year that were publicly reported where companies were facing ransom demands in excess of $50 million. I worry overall that these consequences will only continue to grow. So in light of this equation, when we think about the most significant threat, I would have to say that ransomware is probably the greatest risk facing most organizations today. In reality, most remain vulnerable to it. It's happening with increasing prevalence. Some studies show as frequently as every 11 seconds, a ransomware attack is happening and consequences are rising, hitting some organizations to the tune of tens of millions of dollars of ransom demands. And with that in mind, with the global shift to working anywhere and the increase of cybersecurity attacks, what kind of security risks from anywhere do companies need to think about? And how are the attacks different or unusual from two or three years ago? Absolutely. As we saw a mass uh, mobility movement with many companies, employees shifting to remote work for many organizations, this is the first time doing so. Uh, we saw an increase in the amount of risk as organizations had employees potentially using their corporate laptops and corporate systems outside of their traditional security boundaries. You know, it's unfortunately the case that we would see potentially employees using their personal system for work purposes, their work system for, per- for personal purposes. In reality, many organizations never designed uh, from the get-go thinking about a a mass mobility remote workforce in mind. And so as a result, the vulnerability of these environments has increased significantly. Additionally, as we think about uh, how criminals operate, criminals feed on uncertainty and fear, regardless of whether it's cybercrime or physical world crime. Uncertainty and fear creates a ripe environment for, for crime of all sorts. And unfortunately, both uncertainty and fear have been plentiful over the last 18 months. And we've seen that Cyber criminals have capitalized on it, taking advantage of companies' lack of preparedness. Considering the speed of disruption, the pro- proliferation of data that was taking place, it really was an opportune environment for cybercrime to run rampant, and we did see that with attacks rising. In our own research, we actually saw that 44% of businesses surveyed have experienced more cyber attacks and, and data loss during this last year or so. Well, that's certainly significant. So when we think about what happens. And like you said, most organizations are not set up to have this kind of fluidity between work, home, personal devices. What is it like now for IT? Internally, from an IT supports perspective, they have to support all of these additional nodes from people working remotely. And then social engineering and ransomware are additional risks in that particular environment. So how has that combination increased data security threats? Yeah, well, one interesting byproduct of the pandemic and of this this massive shift to remote work is it served as a significant accelerator for traditional IT initiatives. We saw an acceleration of digital transformation and IT initiatives that may have been previously planned, acceleration and progress of these types of deployments. But as you mentioned, your resources are stretched. One of the key challenges we've seen, whether it be in the IT space, but particularly in the security space is a challenge around labor labor shortages. And on the security side, we view this really as one of the core vulnerabilities within the sector, lack of cybersecurity professionals available to combat these cyber criminals. It's really a crisis that both the public and private sectors have been warning about for years. In fact, there was a study done last year by SC Squared, the cybersecurity workforce study that estimates the time of current shortage of 3.1 million trained cybersecurity professionals short of what industry actually needs to protect against cybercrime. And as we look forward, we estimate we'll need to increase talent by about 41% in the U.S. and 89% worldwide just to meet the needs of the digitally transforming society as these demands are rising. So labor is certainly a key piece of the equation and and really a concern from a vulnerability perspective. 
we look to start organizations off in a better position in this regard. We believe that building security, privacy, and resiliency into the offering should be central, starting from the design to manufacturing, all the way through a secure development process, secure supply chain, and really following the data and applications everywhere that they go. We call this strategy intrinsic security. And at its essence, it's building security in right into the infrastructure and platforms that the customers will use, therefore requiring less expertise to get security right. As you point out, you know, we're, the attacks are not slowing down. You know, social engineering in particular continues to be a top concern. For those listeners unfamiliar with social engineering, it's essentially when criminals try to trick employees into handing over information or opening up the door to let criminals into their systems, such as through phishing email, which we continue to see being one of the most popular methods used by hackers to get their first foot in the door into corporate networks. Is intrinsic security a lot like security by design, where products are intentionally built with a focus on security first, not security last? That's right. Security by design, privacy by design, and not just by design, but but by default, getting it right, making it easy to do the right thing from a security perspective when considering using these technologies. And you know, it means an increase, of course, in security and professionals across the company, but ensuring security professionals are touching all of the offerings at every stage of the design and making sure that best practices are being instituted from the design, development, manufacturing, all the way through, even after they're sold to the services and support that follow. And you know, we view this really as a winning strategy in light of uh, the challenges we see at scale, the challenges our customers are facing in finding the right cybersecurity talent to help them protect their organizations. Now, I'm assuming Dell started thinking about this quite a while ago because the security hiring and reskilling challenges have been there for a while. And as obviously the bad actors have become more proficient, it takes more and more good people to stop them in their place. So with that in mind, how do you feel the pandemic sped up that focus? Or is this something Dell saw coming? Yeah, Dell, we've been investing in this strategy for a number of years. Um, It's clearly been a challenge, but as we've seen, it's it's certainly accelerated and amplified the challenge and the impacts that our customers face. And therefore, I think it's only more important. Uh, But we've increased our investment in both security talent, engineering, and acumen over a number of years. And we'll continue to invest, recognizing that as it's a priority for our customers, it's a priority for us. And that does make sense. So on the other side of the coin, how is Dell ensuring employees themselves take data protection seriously and not fall for phishing attempts? What kind of culture and mindset needs to be deployed to make security a company-wide priority? Well, I think it does start just with that, a culture. And it really is a culture at Dell where security is everyone's job. It's not just uh, my own corporate security team or the security teams within our product and offering groups. It really touches every employee and every employee fulfilling their responsibility to help protect our company and protect our customers. And so we've been building over many years a culture of security here where we arm our employees with the right knowledge and training so that they can make the right decisions and helping us thwart some of these criminal activities uh, that we see like all companies. You know, one particular training program that's been very successful has been our phishing training program. And so in this, we actually are continuously testing and training our employees by sending them simulated phishing emails, getting them more familiar with what to look for and, and how to spot phishing emails. And even just this last quarter, we saw more employees spot and report a phishing simulation test than ever before. And so the, these training activities are really working and they're really making a difference. Beyond the training, we see that it's having an impact. Over the last year, we've seen thousands of real phishing attacks that were spotted and, and stopped as a result of our employees seeing them first and reporting them to us. So 
training is, is really essential. But again, it's against the backdrop of a culture organizationally where every team member knows they have a role to play. And, uh, you know, even this month, as we look at October Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we're amplifying our efforts and promoting security awareness and the responsibilities that team members have, whether it be how to securely use the VPN, securing their home network, even how to travel securely. Uh, all of this is, is important, but it starts with employees knowing what the right answer is to do and then you know, sitting in a culture where uh, they understand it's their responsibility to do so. And that should be too surprising. Obviously, Dell is a large global company. But at the same time, is this an initiative that employees are starting to take a bit of pride in? Perhaps less complaining about, oh, I have to change my password yet again, or, oh, now I have to sign into the VPN. Yeah, I think one of the interesting byproducts of the increased attacks um, that are being shown in, in you know, the news every day and as they commonly now impact the everyday person at home and it's affecting whether people can put food on the table and what type of food they can order and what's available. You know, the awareness has raised an incredible amount, I think, over the last couple of years is really just everybody across society has gained a heightened awareness around the significance, the seriousness of these attacks. And I do think that with that why, understanding like why this is important, uh, we've seen a rise both in the attention and the pride by which the employees take this responsibility very seriously. We even have internal scoreboards. We make it a little competitive and friendly and a little friendly competition where organizationally each team can see, you know, who's finding the most security uh, phishing tests. And, and there's a little friendly competition going on internally. And really employees just step up and love it. They love being able to, to help the company and more importantly, help our customers in an additional way that goes beyond, you know, the important work they're doing day to day in their their primary role. That's great. So this is the question I like to ask security experts because you see so much. What kind of security breaches are you hearing about from customers or businesses around the industry? And what surprised you about these particular firsthand experiences? Yeah, so it's, it's an unfortunate reality that we get calls pretty much every day from our customers who are unfortunately facing some of the worst days in, in their corporate experience, whether they're in the throes of being hit by ransomware, uh, dealing with some other type of cyber intrusion, dealing with data theft, digital extortion. And, and it's, it's quite horrible to see. As I talk to both our customers and even colleagues across industry, I think one of the common messages that, that rings true through all of these engagements is how they just wish they had prepared a bit more. You had taken the time and the foresight to have certain safeguards in place, whether it be you know, cyber threat monitoring and detection capabilities, or increasingly with ransomware, more focused on having the right storage and data backups and protection in place, both you know in their core on-premise environment as well as in the cloud. But it has been surprising to me how many organizations don't really have truly resilient data protection strategies, given just how prevalent ransomware is and how devastating it is. Many we find still think of data backups in the era of like tornadoes and floods, where if you've got your backup 300 miles away from where you've got your data stored, then you know, you're good. Your backups are safe. But people aren't really thinking about backups today are being targeted by you know, humans who literally find your backups wherever they are and they seek to destroy them in order to make their extortion schemes more impactful. And so thinking through really, you know, modern data backups and truly cyber resiliency in light of ransomware. Um, it's surprising to me, I think, how few are still educated and thinking through this. But I will say that with increasing prevalence, we're having these conversations with customers and customers are making the investments more proactively before that day comes and putting themselves in a better footing for when it does. 
Do you feel that companies are thinking about these data protection strategies a lot differently now with the cloud? And what kind of tools and strategies in the cloud will help companies keep their data secure? Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's a general realization that customer workloads and and data is everywhere, whether it's on-premises, you know, at the edge increasingly, or in in public clouds. And we believe a multi-hybrid cloud approach that includes the data center um, is one that offers consistency across all of the different environments as a best practice in how you think about treating your data protection strategies. And increasingly, we see people taking a multi-cloud approach because of the security benefits that come with it but also cost benefits, performance, compliance, privacy, and so on. What's interesting is when we looked at our Global Data Protection Index findings, we learned that applications are being updated and deployed across a large range of cloud environments, yet confidence is often lacking when it comes to how well the data can be protected. So we found that many organizations leverage multi-cloud infrastructure, deploy application workloads, but only 36% actually stated that they were confident in their cloud data protection capabilities. By contrast, one-fifth of respondents indicated that they had some doubt or not very or at all confident in their ability to protect data in the public cloud. So I find this quite alarming, particularly when many organizations are using the public cloud to back up the data as part of their disaster recovery plans. They're essentially copying all of their business data up to a computing environment that they have low confidence in the security of. So organizations need to ensure that they've got solutions in place to protect data in a multi-cloud and across their virtual workloads. And as we discussed, you know, from our perspective, we're really focused on intrinsic security, building the security, resiliency, and privacy into the solutions before they're handed to our customers. So less customers have to think about security and then find a way to staff their own hard-to-hire security experts, the better. A couple other strategies to consider, you know, selecting the right partner is critical. On average, we found the cost of data loss in the last year is approaching four times higher for organizations who are using multiple data protection vendors as compared to those who are using a single vendor approach. And finally, and most importantly, everybody needs a data vault, a data vault that's isolated off of the network that's built with ransomware in mind, you know, to contend with the threats that we're actually seeing. This is where customers can put their most critical data and actually have the confidence that they're going to be able to recover their known good data when that day comes, where data is really the lifeline that's going to keep their business running. And is the data vault a hardware solution, a cloud solution, a little bit of both? Maybe it depends on your business? So there's certainly a number of different ways to architect it. I think there's three key considerations when building a cyber-resilient data vault. The first is it has to be isolated. Anything that's on the network is potentially exposed to these risks. Uh, The second is that it has to be what they call immutable, which essentially means that once you back up the data, that backup can never be changed. Once Once it's written onto the disk, you can never change it again. And third and finally, it has to be intelligent. These systems have to be designed to be as intelligent, if not more intelligent than the threats that are gonna be undoubtedly coming after them. And so designing these data backup systems with the threat environment in mind by experts who deeply understand security, deeply understand ransomware uh, is essential. I see. That sounds like how some three-letter government agencies work. Offline, <laughs> little access. Yeah, unfortunately, that's that's what the world has come to. And again, there's really no sign of this changing. If we look at the incentives that uh, cyber criminals face, the, the rewards are incredible. The repercussions are low. It's really the, the largest, you know, most beneficial criminal enterprise in the history of humankind in terms of what they're likely to get out of an attack versus the likelihood that they're going to get caught and go to jail. And so I don't see that changing anytime soon. And as a result, businesses need to be prepared. And it's certainly true. We don't hear about all the attacks either. 
But when we do, there is a reputation cost there as well. I'm thinking about the attack earlier in the year at the water treatment plant in Florida. Do you expect more focused attacks on infrastructure because it's seen as an easy way in? Yeah, unfortunately, um, this is not the problem of only one industry. You know, regardless of the, the nature of the business you're running and the industry you're in, unfortunately, when you look at your organization through the lens of a criminal, there's often something to be had, you know, whether it's geopolitical incentives, you know, the monetization of you know, criminal fraud, whether it's stealing the data that you hold and reselling it on the black market. There's decreasingly, you know, very few companies that truly can look at themselves and say, I don't have something that a cyber criminal would want. And, you know, that's, that's of course, something that every organization of all size uh, needs to contend with. Especially as companies incorporate machine learning, artificial intelligence, and like you mentioned earlier, edge and IoT devices, there is data everywhere. With that in mind, as well as multiple touch points you're trying to secure, including your work from anywhere workforce, how can companies best secure data? Yeah, and it is. It's a double-edged sword. I mean, the, the digital transformation that, first of all, Dell has been able to be witness to firsthand has been incredible. What we've seen in terms of improvements in quality of life and the way society is transforming through some of these emerging technologies like AIML and the explosion of devices at the edge, IoT, uh, the digital transformation, the benefits are tremendous. At the same time, it all represents potentially new risk if it's uh, invested in and deployed in a way that isn't secure, isn't well prepared for. In fact, we found with our Global Data Protection Index that 63% believe that these technologies pose a risk to data protection, that these risks are likely contributing to fears that organizations aren't future ready and that they may be at the risk of disruption over the course of the next year. And so the lack of data protection solutions for newer technologies was actually one of the top three data protection challenges that we found organizations citing when surveyed. And so, of course, have to continue to promote investing in these emerging technologies. It's really essential to digitally transforming organizations. And organizations that are not digitally transforming um, are you know, not likely to survive well in, in the era that we're looking at competitively. Um, but at the same time, it's critical that organizations ensure their data protection infrastructure is able to keep pace with their broader digital transformation and investment in these newer technologies. When we think about all of this in aggregate, are there some tips you have for companies to future-proof their data strategy? Yeah, there's certainly a few things that come to mind. You know, first, I think it's important to be continuously reflecting on priorities from a risk perspective. The reality is we can't secure everything perfectly, and so prioritization is critical. You have to ensure that you're protecting what matters the most to your business the most. And so performing regular strategic risk assessments and having those inform the investments and the priorities that organizations are, are pursuing is an essential backdrop against which you can actually launch some of these security initiatives and activities. Second thing that comes to mind is really, you know, practice makes perfect. Exercise, exercise, exercise. And you ask yourself, did you really recover if you were hit with ransomware? How sure are you of that answer? We find that organizations that take the time to practice, do internal exercises, do mock simulations, go through the process of asking yourself those questions, you know, do I pay a ransom? Do I not? Uh, you know, can I restore my backups? How confident am I that I can? Those that practice are much more likely to perform well when the day actually comes where they're hit by one of these devastating attacks. And unfortunately, it's increasingly likely that most organizations will face that day. And, and finally, I think it's really critical that security strategies are connected to business strategies. You know, most strategies today, from a business perspective, of course, will fail if the data that they rely on is not trusted 
you know, not trusted and available. But cyber resiliency efforts, security efforts, they can't be enacted in an island of their own. They really must be informed by and supportive of business strategy and priorities. Um, that's I haven't met a customer yet whose business strategy remains viable if they're hit by ransomware or some other strategic data protection threat, and they're not able to quickly and confidently restore their data. So I think that's a core question to ask yourself. How confident are you in your preparedness today in light of everything that we've been talking through? And how are you evolving your cyber resiliency strategy to better prepare? And that certainly is a key takeaway, right? It's not just a technical problem or technology problem. It's also a business problem. So everyone has to participate in really thinking about this data strategy. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, John. It's been fantastic to have you today on the Business Lab. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. That was John Simone, the Chief Security Officer at Dell Technologies, who I spoke with from Cambridge, Massachusetts, the home of MIT and MIT Technology Review, overlooking the Charles River. That's it for this episode of Business Lab. I'm your host, Laurel Ruma. I'm the Director of Insights, the custom publishing division of MIT Technology Review. We were founded in 1899 at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And you can find us in print, on the web, and at events each year around the world. For more information about us and the show, please check out our website at technologyreview.com. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll take a moment to rate and review us. This episode was produced by Collective Next. Business Lab is a production of MIT Technology Review. Thanks for listening.